everyone, and welcome to our Simple Farms LLC podcast for this month. I'm Lori Boyer. I am joined today by Scott Scheimer, and he is the creator of the Simple Farms LLC app or farm tool, as we will be talking about that during our conversation today, and how farmers, producers, growers can use this app to help them in their everyday situations on their farming and ranching operations. And Scott, we'll we'll talk about how this can make things more efficient, how it can really help with bottom lines and really tracking what's going on and squeezing out as many pennies as we can in a, a difficult agriculture industry we're in right now when it comes to finances. Oh, absolutely, Lori. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, yeah, it, this is the time of year, you know, the, all the numbers are done. We, we've put our P&Ls together. It's time to start meeting our loan officers, talking about cash flow structures. And this is where we really look at the true numbers on this operation from last year and how guys can start forecasting for the upcoming year. And Simple Farms provides those opportunities. It, it just puts it all in front of you. How long does it retain data? So how many years back can you go into the app? Right now with Element Team, we put 10 years worth of data into it. Okay. So you'll be able to store up to 10 years worth of data. The program came to life in 2019. So 2029, we'll start having the discussion how much more we need in there. But it's all stored on the Amazon Web Service. And data collection just ends up being a cost to our entity. And if we choose to hang on to everybody's data for a longer period of time in that, we sure can. And just to verify as well on the data in, it's the producer's data, not ours. We can't share it. Nobody else will see it. It's all based on their email and their password to see their data. But we have the storage location for it. Scott, I know I ask you this frequently on our interview, but now that 2023 is officially here, what are some changes we are seeing in the app? So the big one, we just reviewed with the development team about, oh, right before Christmas, we are doing the Google Earth Maps. So mm -hmm. you will be able to not only look at your fields in an icon structure, but also on Google Earth. And it'll zoom right in on your fields when you look at the Google Maps. And we're putting a feature in when you select your corn or you plant your corn and you want that field to, the color to represent corn being yellow. When you plant that field to corn, it's a yellow outline. And so as you zoom out on the maps, you can see where all your corn fields are, your Milo, wheat. And uh, then you'll be able to tap on that field in that and it'll just disclose all that year's operations data as to how you want to look at it. So we're just creating other avenues to simplify the program and look at yourself in different ways. So it provides the same type of data, if I'm understanding you right, but more in a visual form this time. Absolutely. Just making it easier and simpler and visual. I'm a visual person. I've always wanted to put this feature in, but we needed to get some uh, traction. We needed clients and uh, we're getting that and we're able to take the revenue we're generating and put it in the program and make it a better program. And I'm curious then, what does a grower need to have to be able to insert the data into the app. So in other words, if I want to look at a particular field, what do I need to have to plug into the app so I can see that field? Yeah. So immediately you can just start setting up a field and Google Earth will be there. You'll zoom in on your field and you'll see a satellite imagery. And then you just draw out the outline of it and then just identify that field after you've drawn the outline. And then it's in the database for your program. And then every time Thanks. you do an operation on it, you just select that field and it'll submit the operation you did on it. Scott, has it been all tried and tested then? We haven't launched it yet. It's oh, in trials okay. right now. And so oh, we okay. run into bugs. They do retrials. We won't launch it until we're absolutely sure it's going to work perfect. And 
I, I'm hoping within the month. Glad I asked that. So we'll yes. watch for that for sure. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be coming back to the app as we talk about that in our conversation here today. But you and I were chatting a little bit before we started recording our interview, and you recently got back from a big trip to Israel. And I just wanted to talk to you more about that because you were briefing me on some of the farms that you visited, some of the agriculture things that you learned. And I, I just personally found it very interesting. And I think some of our our listeners and viewers would also like to know what you learned, just some of the highlights you got from that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I've traveled around the world. And so this was another glorious trip we got to take with our family and never been to Israel. And uh, I'm a farmer. I love to talk to farmers about farming and that we had an opportunity with our tour guide who actually comes from a farming community. And he took the time to actually take me and introduce me to their operations on their location and their trials and what they're doing. And you always learn no matter where you're at. They're doing trials on olive trees. We looked at their wheat crop. Their big thing at their location is, is they also develop the drip systems that they use all throughout Israel. And just the little technologies they put into the drip irrigation that they use. And, you know, they're, they're making an oasis out of the desert, especially on the eastern end of Israel. Uh, they're also behind in other aspects. In my personal opinion, we traveled around the entire country. It doesn't take long. It's about the size of uh, New Jersey. I didn't see any no-till and nobody that was farming that I had dialogues with really did any no-till. They don't do intercropping or even starting to work with microbes. And I found it very interesting. There's a lot of solar panels there. There's a lot of wind towers, but a uh, carbon credit program, as far as doing the microbes, there's no dialogue about it or cover crop mixes. So there's some things that definitely environmentally conscious, but there's things that haven't even been introduced in the area that they're even working with. So it's some interesting dynamics. Can you tell me, is it mainly flatter land farming or do they have a lot of hills and mountainy areas? Oh, uh, it's very mountainous, very mountainous. That's what I thought. Yeah, the acres are very, very small there, very, very small equipment okay. and very rocky. It was amazing how much, I mean, throughout the country, rock. Scott, on the wind farms that you mentioned, are they the same types of turbines that we see around here, kind of the big turbines, or are they different looking? Yeah, there's modern as the ones we've seen, and they've got some as old as they told me some of them are 20 years old. They had some oh. and really little ones up on the hills, on the ridges, and lots of solar panels throughout the region. Are most of their agricultural products that they produce there exported, or does it stay in Israel? A lot of it's exported. I'm kind of naive about a lot of aspects of agriculture. Palm trees everywhere and oh. every size. And I didn't know if they were growing them to for decoration and found that the palm trees they're doing are for dates. And once they get a certain height, they can't harvest the dates off of them anymore because they're so tall and they plant a new, new area of palm trees. The other thing I found out was banana trees are not really a tree. Bananas are a grass. What? It's just like a palm tree. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't that, either. Okay. I just, the thing I learned, I just learned I'm, something completely new. Me too. A lot of things I didn't understand. <laughs> so we have bananas. And then I think you mentioned too, before we went on our recording here, avocados or something else they produce. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize, I didn't realize that. It's so fertile. I think they grow everything you can imagine. Wheat, okay. corn, every fruit, vegetable, potatoes. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And where's our main water supply then? So on the west, on the eastern end would be the Jordan River. And 
then on the western end, they're they're doing desalination out of the Mediterranean. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty modern. And yeah, and then they also yeah they're very ahead of the game on that. And then also a lot of dams through all the mountainous areas. You also mentioned that you're going to continue to communicate with some agriculturalists over there. What will you be working on from here on out? Yeah, so our tour guide actually comes from a region, an area, what they call kibbutzes. So they're small communities, almost like a co-op where they do multiple aspects, including their agriculture and vertically integrate something with the products they develop. And the gentleman that was our tour guide, he has a good friend that manages their ag portion of their kibbutz. And we met and we're going to continue to have discussions about what their practices are, what we do, and maybe we can help each other with different aspects. Are most of their producers full-time producers or do they have outside jobs? Are their farms big enough to support them doing it full-time? I would say you got the combination. That's a good question. I think they kind of have the combination of everything. You know, our the individual with us used to help. The, how I learned about bananas is he used to help harvest the bananas, but he also is a tour guide. And, and prior to that, he was a parrot trooper with their military. So oh, a lot of diversity okay. with this gentleman. <laughs> oh, and that is interesting. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, thanks for sharing information on that. I'm sure there's a lot more that you learned and a lot more things that you saw. So it's just really oh, cool to I, hear a little bit of that. You know it too, Lori. It's the epicenter of the religious development in the world. Absolutely. And, uh, recommend yeah. everybody to go do it. And, you know, we saw cities that were 3000 years old. Everybody, they get a chance should do that. Should go travel and see Israel. I just can't imagine, and you I think you use the word surreal, being at the same spot that Jesus was at. Yes. It just gives me goosebumps listening to that or thinking about that. Yep. Nice. Following the paths he was on. It was crazy. Wow, Scott. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing some of that information with us. Switching gears, when we talked last month, you reincorporated livestock onto your operation in Cheyenne Wells and I think you could just kind of gotten back into that. And so I wanted to to revisit that a little bit now that we're here in the winter and we're actually getting some snow, <laughs> how the livestock operation is going for you. Well, it's good, Lori. We you know we just saw an opportunity. We had a lot of residue left and uh, we haven't run cattle for five years and we still had most of the assets to do it. And I had the personnel that was willing to take care of the animals. So we went to the sale barn, picked up some older cows, and uh, you know how that goes. Everybody that runs cattle. You do the preg check, and surprise, we start calving three months ahead of what they had said. Everybody held up. My guys did a great job taking care of the animals, and even through that cold spell, other than breaking some ice, feeding a little extra hay, we uh, we came through it good. So, Will you be calving this spring as well? That's correct. We we were expecting to be Feb March, but uh, we were seeing them here before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and then will you continue to breed them back? Will you continue on? No, we'll probably get out of the animals. Uh, they are older broken mouse. So we'll probably just liquidate the herd going into spring. We've just got too much going on in the field. Okay. So we're just utilizing the residue we have. And with the opportunity, what's going on, the, the liquidations everybody's been doing. Uh, we do have other operators that lease on us and they're interested in running on stock. So we'll probably do a partnership there. We also have been offered an opportunity to do some expansion. So my guys want to keep running cattle. We'll pick up more grass that we haven't leased and uh, maybe we'll continue with some other herds. So that brings me back into talking about the app. So when you're talking about leasing out land, are those figures, can you enter those into the app? Is that some of the things that you're able to track? 
Absolutely, Lori. Uh, the way I do it, any business approach I take, we run a feasibility, just do a two to three year outlook. And all we can do is take the information we have today and to the best of our knowledge, put it in an analysis. And Simple Farms allows me to do that so well. And especially since I've got three years of my own data on Simple Farms, we can really culminate that and take a look at ourselves in a realistic aspect. When you look back at that three year on the three years of data, kind of the averages there. Can you tell me a couple of tweaks that you're making for this year based on what you're seeing in that app and the tracking you're doing? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is we were truly trying to find a way to avoid fallow. And wheat is definitely a staple in our region, but wheat is such an expensive crop for its risk levels. And so we're doing a little more millet, milo, corn. They're just a better margin level crop than wheat. Wheat's such a high risk and such a low margin. Obviously, we had a great market this last year. If anybody caught a, caught that $12 a bushel, but you know how long that lasted. So it's supplemental. When we look at ourselves, we're always trying to find a way to get out of the lower margin crops and get into a little higher margin production. But we have to look at the assets we have. We can't just all of a sudden get into cotton and start running cotton machinery. We don't have it. We've got to be careful what decisions we make. All right, Scott, what else would you like to visit about here today? Well, I think a fun one we're doing as well with the development team is we just finished up our first year with the carbon program with Locust Ag and and, and Anu, and they require a lot of in, information from us. And the information they need is almost identical what's in Simple Farms, but their database, it's, it, they wanted us to just type all the information in. So with the development team, we took their database and we're integrating it into Simple Farms to create a filter for specific carbon market. Okay. So we won't have to transfer that information. The program, you'll just hit a button for carbon and it'll submit what they want. And uh, so that's the next step in our development for the program, along with a few other little tweaks that the customers are asking for. But with the carbon market coming up like, like it is, I think data collection and actually submitting that information in a very easy way is going to be very beneficial for us and the producers. And Scott, I have to ask then, does that become exclusive, the Simple Farms app with Locus Ag? We're having that dialogue. Okay. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> to be determined, correct. <laughs> but I would imagine a lot of the carbon programs that are out there right now are going to be very similar because the, the data that is needed is pretty uniform. It is. And uh, there is, with the USDA, they're actually trying to standardize the carbon reporting and the measurements with the bill that they passed. That is something that's going to occur in the rules and regs. So we want to find a way to match that equally so that we satisfy the market, and make more value in the carbon market. And have you been paying attention to what's going on with some of the discussions regarding our next farm bill and what's going to be in there, specifically with regard to carbon market and carbon reporting? You know, Lori, I used to follow it and I have learned my lesson over the years until they actually pass the bill. It's a waste of time. Okay, well, fair enough. I just hadn't heard a lot specifically on that. Climate change is a pretty broad term that would include that. But I, I didn't know if maybe you delved into that a little bit more, being as you're actually utilizing carbon farming practices. We've seen snippets, but the thing is, it gets down into the details and those can change things so dramatically. I followed the baseline and they're definitely the budget is pushed towards a carbon market. It's just a matter of how the details going to be structured and who's going to who's going to prevail and who is not. Anything else to mention here today, Scott? 
I think we're just in a new year. This is the perfect time for somebody to pick up Simple Farms. You have all your information in front of you, all your financials. You're making your crop plans for the next year. It's the best time to set up the program, and we're here to help, and we're available. And uh, so this is the time for everybody to jump on Simple Farms. I know what I call it an app, and I know I started our conversation with an app, but interchangeably, this is definitely a tool. I mean, it is a tool that can save people so much time and find extra money in their farm that they may be uh, able to use elsewhere or reallocate or figure out what's working and not working. Absolutely. The program is priced at a point I think most can absorb it pretty easily. Uh, $600 for six months. So a $1,200 a year program. And uh, yeah, it's your bookkeeper. It's just a simple bookkeeper for your operation. And it is just a tool. I'm not trying to solve everything. We still use FieldView. We still use JD Ops Center. They do different things, but this is the margin analysis program that looks at your financial specifically. And I feel like it's a pretty important tool for operations. Absolutely. And what is that website? It is at simplefarms.ag. And you can just sign up right there or reach out to us with any questions or communication. Scott, always enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Lori. I always enjoy being on with you. Once again, Scott Scheimer, he is the creator of the Simple Farms app that we've been talking about here today on the Simple Farms app podcast. I'm Lori Boyer.